one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Today we have a crazy story of revenge against an awful stepfather. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, fake friends make fun of my clothes, so I got them kicked out of the swimming team. My school takes athletics and sports very seriously. We had athletes that were trained by different coaches to compete in different events in different categories. But it was still very important to the school that no athlete or player was flunking in school unless they would be advised to withdraw from the school team. So most players and athletes, to stay in the school team, they either did it for extra classes or got themselves student tutors who would tutor them to ensure they were not failing in school. I was the student tutor to Sabrina and Francesca, school champion swimmers of the junior team. They acted like they were my friends, but I fished them out thanks to the other student tutors. When I found out that they were just fake friends using me to get good grades, I took out their science essay that I already submitted and made them withdraw from the team. They had to stop going for practice with the rest of the school's junior female swimming team, and they didn't recover in time to perform in the swimming championship competition until the finals, so they got no medals. You might think that was too harsh, until you finally hear the full story up front. From every perspective, Sab and Fran are the worst people ever who got what they deserved. As an athlete in my school, there's a lot of pressure on you because you have to represent the school in outside school competitions, without compromising your initial reason for going to school, which is your academics. My school sets up extra tutorial classes for failing students, and that's where you find most school athletes. Not all of them that were signed up were actually failing, but because of the demands of the school team, they had to attend extra classes to catch up. But it wasn't compulsory, the extra classes carried extra tutorial fees too. Not everyone wanted to pay for a class they probably wouldn't need, so what they did was simple. Athlete in the school team picked a good student from their class who could teach them anything they missed. Many of those students, called student tutors, were compensated in cash for their time and effort. Our school didn't organize it, it wasn't official, but the school was aware of it. As a way to attract more people to pay you as a student tutor, you would most likely have to charge less than the extra classes, but we were still more effective. It's more beneficial to get a student tutor than to attend extra classes because, for one, if you pay for the class, you have to pay the complete fee even if you just need one or two subjects. Timing was also more flexible in student tutorials than in the extra classes, and the scheme was more specifically adapted to the students' needs. In my last year of being in middle school, I got the shock of my entire middle school life when two swimming champions, Fran and Sab, approached me to be their student tutor. I said before that sports were a big deal in my school, so athletes were the popular ones. It was even cooler to be in the school team than it was the prettiest girl or something. Yeah, so I didn't go to those schools where the most popular girl was rich and pretty. In my school, the popular girls wore jerseys. They walked in cliques and styled their hair alike. There were the tall basketball team girls who wore ponytails, the track athletes that were my favorite in their plates or braids, the swimmers high bun, the soccer players pigtails and more. 
It was always cool to hang out with them, but being frail and timid, I had no chance of ever becoming a cool kid. Not until Sab and Fran wanted me to coach them in schoolwork. That meant that sometimes I'd get to hang out with them in their circle. As a less popular kid, I was so psyched because it meant that I would gain a little popularity before senior school started. And maybe I could attend the next class as a completely different person. Sab and Fran were cool kids. They were well known because they were our junior swimming team champions. I outrightly said yes to their offer and gave them my price. They thanked me and said they would talk to their fathers about it. The next day, they came with the money and paid me cash. I was super excited to begin because I'd already created a curriculum for our tutorial session the night before. There was English, math, history, science, and social studies to catch up on because they were behind in class. I also checked their notes and found out that they missed so much. I didn't know how they could have missed that much because they weren't even having practice every day. But Sab and Fran just laughed it off. The first thing I asked of them was that they take my notes and complete theirs. Sab and Fran had other ideas. They told me that if I helped them write the part of the notes that were missing, I could sit down with them for lunch every day that term. I was in disbelief that it was really happening. The girls swimming team sat on the same table with the boys swimming team. That meant for the first time, I would sit with boys other than the school nerds for lunch. I wasn't thinking when I nodded to the deal. The note wasn't much. I was a fast food writer and I had all day. That night, I finished all their notes and brought it back the next day. It was too good to be true, but that lunch, I sat down with the rest of the junior swimmers. Sab and Fran introduced me to their teammates and the boys talked to me. I was glad to finally be out of the nerds table. After lunch, my friends came to ask me how I got on the swim team's table. I feel stupid now for the answer I gave them. Maybe if I'd been honest earlier enough, I would have saved myself some humiliation. I told my friends that maybe they just thought I was cool and wanted me to join them for lunch. At the last bell, I met Sab and Fran again and asked them if they wanted to come over to my place or if I was going to theirs. They said that they had practice and after that they would be too tired for a tutorial. But we had a math quiz to turn in the next day. I asked if they didn't need help with it. Surprisingly, Sab and Fran both nodded that they needed all the help they could get. They brought their papers and gave it to me and begged me to write the correct answers for them. Before they ran off, I asked them if they didn't want to actually learn to pass. They said no, that they just needed to pass the course and that they needed to pay someone to do it. It's called a legal exchange, Fran said. I felt so furious and embarrassed, but they promised to make it up to me. The interest school competitions were coming up and they promised to dedicate their win to me if they did, and I would continue sitting with them for lunch if I did their assignments, and said that they did it themselves. I was worried, and at the same time, I was scared. But I was also kind of happy that I was spending more time with the swimmers. If I never even got to teach Sab and Fran, the good thing was that nobody would suspect that I was just their student tutor. They would assume that I was actually hanging out with the cool kids, no strings attached. My friends got bothered. I was bothered too because I felt so foolish inside but nobody could know as long as I helped Sab and Fran form their essays, do their projects and write their assignments. Everything was cool. It didn't take long before the workload began to get overwhelming. Apart from math where the answer is always definite, other assignments needed lots of research and creativity. And I could hardly do mine well without three. I, who used to be at the top of the class 
started scoring between second best, third, or fourth in my assessments. I complained to Sab and Fran, but all they had to say was that fourth was not so bad. I get it that I played myself and that it was all my fault. I was still wallowing in regret and resentment when the next course of events changed my mentality completely. No opportunity to sit with the cool kids and no amount of money was worth losing my ranking and reputation in class. One day during lunch, I went back to my old table with the nerds. Sab and Fran came to ask me if I didn't want to sit with their clique again. I said that I will not be joining them for the rest of the term. Though they looked horrified, they managed to compose themselves and asked if I would still be their student tutor. I frowned when they said that in front of my friends because then the suspicion started. How was I their student tutor and I had never been seen teaching them in school? I refused to answer, but my friends urged me to talk to them. As I began to speak, I didn't know when the tears began to run down my eyes. I had enough from them. Apart from the guilt, the pressure to always do well in the papers because of them, it was too much. Whenever we had pop-up quizzes or even scheduled tests, these girls never read. They never prepared no matter how much time they had. They cheated in every test just so that they could prove that they were the ones doing their homework. They got praised for improving so much. While I got warnings that I was too occupied with hanging out so much with the cool kids that I didn't read as much anymore, which was not the case. With so many essays to write, how could I focus on schoolwork like I did before? When I told my friends, they felt so bad for me. They also thought I was losing focus and sacrificing my grades just so I could hang out with them. During that period, my friends never left my side. They didn't let either Fran nor Sab get close to me. One of those days in the cafeteria, Fran came with her high bun to tell me that Sab was calling me. I told her that I wasn't going. Fran puckered her lips and told me that I was going to regret it before walking away. I watched her until she got to Sab and whispered into her ears. Sab just grinned and got on the cafeteria table to announce something. The whole hall turned to hear what she had to say. Sab started by asking everyone to look over at me at the loser's table. She talked about how I had a skirt I wore since I joined this school and it was now old and tattered. She talked about my poor styling. She had mean things to say about my hair and even the shape of my head. The whole hall burst out in laughter. Sab got down from the table and I sprang up into action. People thought I was going to charge at her or something, but I didn't. My friends tried to sit me back down, but I marched out of the cafeteria. I didn't care whether people would call me a coward. I was fuming inside, and what I was about to do was more important than any smart clapback I could have given. I went into our science teacher's office and asked her to withdraw the research papers of Sab and Fran. When she asked me why, I told her that I did it and I showed her evidence of it. I told her that I'd done their projects and assignments for all the term and that they even cheated in the midterm tests. The teacher asked me if I was being honest because that was a serious offense for school athletes. I assured her that I was telling the truth. The science teacher had to go and discuss with our other teachers to check if my story tallied with the time Sab and Fran started doing well across all subjects. It did. And I reported to all of them that I was a witness to their malpractices in the tests. Fortunately, the matter was taken up as a disciplinary case. Sab and Fran were called in to face the panel. The result of that case was that they had to take every test that they cheated in and complete every assignment that they made me do again before the end of the term. But their games were coming up, so the school told them that if they could finish everything up and pass well, then they could join the games. But if not, 
they would have to retake the classes but still be promoted. It became a real struggle now that Sabrina and Francesca now needed a real tutor. They joined the extra classes and even lost their cool spot in the cafeteria because they ate their lunches in teachers' offices. I was also called to face the panel too. Helping students deceive teachers was a grave offense, but because I reported an even worse happening of cheating, I was free to go without any serious punishment. Sabrina and Francesca were miserable. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Full after then, they couldn't show their faces anymore. But surprisingly, during the time I hung out with them, I made some friends amongst the swimming team. Some of the boys even asked me to come and sit with them sometimes if I felt like it. I told them I would think about it, but inside, I was totally feeling like it. I didn't leave my friends this time. While Sav and Fran were struggling to pass the last half-term's work, I was chilling with their team. And when the games finally came and Sav and Fran couldn't make it, I filled up their seats in the bleachers and cheered on for their other teammates. They couldn't even show up for the games. Does anybody else feel a little put off though by OP for saying all throughout the story, I didn't want to sit at the nerds table, I left the nerds table, I was so glad to not have to sit at the nerds table anymore. And then follow that up with the second half of the story being like, I went and sat back with my friends and I didn't leave my friends after that point. Like as if you didn't just call them nerds for the first half of the story and that you were glad to be rid of them. Our next story is kicking my stepdad out. I don't know about other people, but personally, I think stepparents are a pandemic and should not exist. But maybe I'm just being dramatic because I had so many. My mother was a hopeless romantic, emphasis on the hopeless. She loved to love and loved love, and it caused quite a bit of a problem. 
My biological father was a deadbeat and left her after I was born, so as soon as I could breathe properly on my own, she was going out on dates and looking for the next man. She went through boyfriends like I went through diapers, and by the time I was five, she had married again. This new stepdad was good, but he only lasted three years before becoming abusive. My mom got rid of him, took his money, and got with a much younger guy two months later. Another two years passed and she got married again to a different guy. This time it lasted one year, went down the abusive pipeline, and she did the same robbing and divorcing routine. Now, my mother and I were friends, right from birth. I did her makeup while she went out on dates. We talked about everything and I held her when she cried, which she did a lot because these breakups hurt her. I believe that it was two of us against the world, my mother and I. No matter how many men came and left, we would always have each other. When I turned 14, that was when she met Stan, the devil that she stayed married to the longest. I hated Stan from the second I saw him. He was big, burly, hairy, and smelled bad, like stale cheese and bad beer. I let my mother know that I didn't like this guy, and she just laughed it off, telling me that you would grow to like him. I did the opposite, but I noticed that Stan treated my mother the best out of everyone she had ever been with. I attribute it to the fact that she was a 10, drop-dead, gorgeous woman with legs as long as the Eiffel Tower, and he looked like the human cousin of the Neanderthal, so he knew that normally he would have no chance with her. But Stan didn't like me. He let me know on many occasions that he really disliked me and wished it was just him and my mother. I decided not to say anything back to him because he really liked my mother and I wanted her to be happy. Three years passed and we faced a new problem. My mother was bored of Stan, of life, and living in the house she had gotten from her second husband. I tried my best to dissuade her from doing something impulsive, but if you've met my mother, you'll know that it was pointless. She would do what she wanted regardless. I didn't know exactly where she went, but I knew that she left the city, possibly the state. Stan was worried, but when the letter came that she was in prison in Europe for identity theft, Stan lost his mind. He was so mad and told me that he didn't believe a word the letter said, asking me to tell him where my mother was or he would kick me out. I was 17 at that point, and I called his bluff, so he kicked me out. I tried to argue and get a lawyer to fight against it, but somehow Stan had the rights as my mother's husband, and the landlord was a misogynistic jerk as well, hated mine and my mother's guts. I found myself on the streets, scared out of my mind and unsure of what to do. I had just finished high school and didn't have much, besides the tiny bit I'd saved and my mother had left me. I was at a huge risk to be abused because I looked just like my mother, very pretty but on the curvier side. So I had to sleep in my car, well, my mother's car, and wear clothes that drowned my entire body. After a few months of feeling sorry for myself, I got a day job as a Walmart employee and a night job as a server in an exclusive club. This helped me get a place to stay with some other girls who worked at the club, and I was fine and stable for a year. On my 19th birthday, I met someone who would change my life forever, a kind-hearted, successful man named Jonathan. I served him and his party at the club, and he tracked me down begging for my contact. Because of my very iffy relationship with men, I turned him down. His persistence won, and I went to dinner with him. He was around 25 and had more generational wealth than I could mathematically calculate. It felt a little weird to be me and meet this sort of person, so I refrained from getting in a relationship, sticking to friendship. 
Even without dating, we formed a deep connection that went beyond material wealth. It seemed like he really liked me and wanted me to be happy, and I started to like him too. He was soon one of my closest friends, and I shared a little of my history and dreams with him. He saw my potential and believed in my dreams, insisting that I quit my job and go to college. Of course, I refused because I didn't have the funding for it. I also didn't collect anything I didn't work for from him, because it was impossible for him to wake up and decide that he didn't want to support me anymore. What would I do then? Whenever I thought I was a step ahead, Jonathan was three. He got me a job as a personal assistant to him, which paid more money than I'd seen in a while. I finally agreed to work for him and it was great. I got a place of my own and things were great for me for about four years. My mother and I had kept in contact through letters. She was an old-fashioned woman and I realized that I still hated Stan. I didn't tell her that he had kicked me out, but I wanted to get back at him for it. I wanted him just as unhappy and unsafe as he made me. It consumed my thoughts and made me very stumped at my job, which Jonathan noticed. After some coaxing, I spoke to him about it and he was mad. At me for hiding it for so long, at my mother for making me grow up faster than I should have, and at Stan for being a regular scheduler jerk. He also supported my plan to do something really bad to him. In fact, he wanted it more than me. But before that, Jonathan suggested therapy for me, swearing that it was a part of my healthcare plan as his employee. It wasn't, but I didn't complain, and hooked me up with a therapist. Just the first day talking with her had me bawling my eyes out, and I never really cried. It was hard, but she helped me understand that I deserved love and peace and not to be on guard all the time. After two months of weekly sessions, I reduced it to bi-monthly and forgot about Stan for a few weeks until my mother wrote to me to tell me that she was arriving in three months. I was excited and nervous, especially as she didn't have anywhere to stay. As much as I missed her, I know that seeing her again after five years would be overwhelming for me. Being in the same space as her would definitely make me feel some emotions that therapy had erased. So I spoke to Jonathan that maybe it was time that I got the house back from Stan. I did my findings and the original landlord had died, leaving his son to his properties. My first few meetings with a new landlord were unsuccessful, but when we finally got to see, I realized that he just wanted to get rid of most of the property and move cities with his family. Jonathan offered to buy the entire area if he agreed to kick the current inhabitant, Stan, out. The new landlord was more than happy to because, shocker, he hated Stan too. We completed the payment and Stan was kicked out onto the street. He tried to fight back at me and make a case out of things by going to the police. It only prolonged things for him because after the case had been looked into, he was guilty of neglect of a minor and had to face the law for something else altogether. It was hilarious watching it unfold. After he saw that he was in the wrong, he decided to settle out of court and seek monetary help from Jonathan and me. But I did the same thing he did to me all those years ago. I laughed in his face and told him that it wouldn't happen, not in a million years. I bought the house under my name with my own hard-earned money. Jonathan offered to do it to get the house and all its surrounding property. I let him know that he could get the property, but I wanted the house to be gotten in my name. It made me feel better, like if anything went wrong, I would always have my own place. It was a symbolic act of reclaiming my power and creating a safe haven for myself. There were still a lot of hurdles to be crossed, but with Jonathan's resources and my determination, 
we figured out the challenging process that came with dealing with legalities and other similar beings. The day finally arrived when I walked through the front door of my newly acquired home, no longer as a victim, but as a triumphant survivor. It was an overwhelming moment filled with gratitude, as I realized my resilience had paid off. This house, once a symbol of pain and loss, had become a symbol of my resilience, determination, and the unwavering support of the person who stood by my side. In that same house, Jonathan proposed to me. It was a little funny considering we didn't even get into a relationship, but he had known me longer and better than I let anyone else. He had been by my side when I needed someone, even if I didn't know it. It felt right to say yes and agree to marry him. Because he understood my fears, he agreed to draft a prenup, claiming that in the eventuality that we separated, I was allowed to get a quarter of everything he owned. My mother also came back from her trip a few months later than she said she would, but the first thing she did was mail Stan a divorce letter. She had apparently found love with a woman and wanted to marry her instead. Stan, again being the opportunist he was, wanted to make a case out of it and refused to sign the papers. Showing up to the house I had bought and swearing to only sign it if my mother paid him a particular sum of money. Being on the streets meant that I had to be tough to survive, and it also meant that I knew people who knew people that could do damage. One week after he showed up, Stan was mysteriously found in a back alley, battered and bruised. He signed the papers the next day. To make sure he didn't show up again, Jonathan also filed a restraining order against him. Jonathan and I are now married, and I'm pregnant with my first set of twins. But in the eventuality that we separate, I know that I will never put my children in danger by giving them a step-parent when they are young. What's sad is that although OP found their own redemption and they went to therapy and worked through all of this, they still have this preconception that if a parent with young kids gets divorced, that it's a terrible thing to look for love or look for support in a new partner because the new partner might be bad. It's just a little saddening to hear that the concept of that working out is just so unbelievable and foreign to OP. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.